Welcome to Ulcerative Colitis Autoimmune Healing Journey. I am your journey guide, Jay India, and I'm so happy that you are here because this is a supportive, positive environment where we can heal together. Please note we are not doctors or health professionals. If you would like to attempt something mentioned in the episode, please consult your doctor or mental health professional first. I just want to discuss really quickly that Shelly and I have had some audio issues right now. So if the recording comes across as not the best quality, we have tried everything. <laughs> and This is the best it's going to get. So we have a very special and already beloved guest with us, Shelly, who if you listen to last week's episode, you will know that she brought Sir to my attention. I was so blown away by the connection of SIRS and UC symptoms that in April 2023, we are making it a SIRS-themed month because of Shelly. I am so honored to introduce my guest today. She is an extremely brave and intelligent human, as well as a fellow UC warrior. Please welcome Shelly Apodaca K. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Jay. Thank you so much for having me and all your wonderful words. It touched my heart. Thank you. Well, thank you for being so patient because audio can be the biggest pain in the ass, as you now know. (laughs) (laughs) And you are the most patient person. So I just thank you for that. And I thank you for bringing SIRS to all of our attentions. And I don't think you realize what a big deal that is yet. I think you will. But um, it's a huge deal that you're putting yourself into this space and being brave. And I just really commend you for that. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, which is a complete overview of SIRS and why some of us with UC may have SIRS and not UC, please listen to that episode first and then return to this one. I just want to give a definition of SIRS before we hear Shelley's incredible story. On survivingmold.com, Dr. Natasha Thomas, MD, says chronic inflammatory response syndrome, or SIRS, also known as biotoxin illness, describes a group of symptoms, lab findings, and targeted test results associated with biotoxin exposure, especially in genetically susceptible people. So let's break that down. Basically, you have the SIRS gene and you were exposed to a biotoxin, such as a house with mold and now your body cannot rid itself of the toxins. And through research, I found that the GI symptoms of SIRS are pretty much exactly the same symptoms of UC. And uh, that includes ulcers in the colon and bloody mucousy stools. So let's get started. Shelly has tested positive for SIRS. So let's hear your story. It's so compelling. Please take it away, Shelly. Well, it started a long time ago. I'm 57 now, and it started... And she doesn't look 57, kids. She looks like she's <laughs> she's 40, so go ahead. Oh, gosh, thank you. That made my day. <laughs> it's um, true. I was diagnosed with UC back in 95, which is crazy to think. That's... Wow. I didn't even know what UC was, and I was just kind of you know, doing my thing in life. I, I just had a baby a year before I was, I was dealing with some trauma in my life. And I was in a very unhappy marriage at the time. But I felt very strong. I felt healthy. I've always been into health and nutrition. I taught aerobics in the 80s. Stop. 
Uh, yeah, neon leggings. Did you have the Jane Fonda outfit, like the like the oh, robe no. size? Oh my yes. god, that is yes. that is amazing. Okay, continue. I have that image in my head now. I know, so do I. It was so much fun. <laughs> it was like just parading around in those, you know, spandex, neon spandex. It was really fun. Why um, not? Yeah, I mean, I was just doing my thing and living my life, and and then I. Well, let me backtrack for a second. I did get really sick with food poisoning in Mexico uh, about four years prior to my diagnosis with UC. I mean, deathly ill. I'd never been sick like that before. So that happened. I did recover. It was a very slow recovery. I lost a lot of weight. I was just really, really ill. Recovered from that. And then moving forward with the UC... One day, I just noticed I was having diarrhea, but like intense urgency. I could barely make it to the bathroom. And I'll never forget, one day I was at a gas station, and all of a sudden I got that urgency, and I was like, oh, holy shit, like no pun intended. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to make it. Like, what the heck is going on? I just wasn't feeling well, and my GP did some blood work and he calls me and he says, you need to go see a GI right away. I think you're bleeding internally. And it totally freaked me out. I mean, I was a young mom, you know, I was 28 years old. So I did, I went to see a gastro, a GI, and she did a colonoscopy, endoscopy. And she said, you know, you have these ulcerations on the lining of your colon and they're microscopically bleeding. That was kind of the beginning. And I had no idea no idea what I was in for, what this was. She gave me some medication. I don't remember what it was. I was pretty traumatized because I was going through a hard time in my marriage. I had discovered a lot of things that were not good in my marriage. And I was trying to make things work. And here I was now not well. Now I had this whole other layer added in and trying to figure out what what it was. So I went on my way and didn't really get a lot of feedback from her. I, I was getting better, but I was still a bit symptomatic. And I would call her and she wanted to put me on, I believe it was prednisone. And I wasn't very happy about it. I think I tried it at the time, but it just, I didn't feel great on it. So I realized at that point, I can't ping pong with these drugs back like that just wasn't my intuition was telling me that. And of course, I was just so into the health and nutrition thing, and it just wasn't feeling right for me. And so I started digging. And I went to see this naturopathic doctor in Vancouver. And that kind of just started me on this crazy, crazy journey. Um, Moving forward, I found a way to deal with my symptoms. They were pretty mild at the time. I was younger. I was managing, and they weren't really interrupting my life. I was raising my kids. I had young children, and I'm so grateful for that, that I was able to be there for them at that time. That was a blessing for sure. So later on in life, you know, my kids got older, and in 2010, I started becoming more symptomatic. I was flaring more, but my flares were becoming more intense. That year, my mom got diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And that really 
had a very big effect on me. I was, I'm very, my mom passed just a few years ago, but I was very close with her. I took it really internally as well. And I was just kind of her, always her guide, you know, uh, doing a lot of the mothering <laughs> with my mother. So it, it was hard. It was really hard. It was putting a lot of pressure on me and worry and fear. And anyway, my mom tested positive for the BRCA gene, which is the ovarian breast cancer gene, which puts you at a much higher risk for it. And I decided to test for that and I tested positive as well. So that kind of sent me down a whole other spiral. It was, I was spiraling down with that. That was not good for my UC symptoms. And at this point also, I was remarried in a very happy marriage. I'd been divorced for a while. So my personal life was going very well. After I found out I was BRCA positive, I decided to have a hysterectomy just due to my risk. And it, it was a very tough decision for me, but I already had had my children and I just didn't want to take the risk. And of course, seeing what my mom was going through instilled a lot of fear in me. And it was, it just felt like it was the right thing. And after that surgery, I began to flare more intensely for sure. You know, the whole hormone thing. I mean, I went into menopause immediately at 40 years old. So that just kind of created this huge hormonal shift in my body on top of dealing with, you know, the UC issues. Later on, I decided to have a preventative double mastectomy. I waited about three years and that was really, really tough. A very tough decision for me. But I was working... I was working on fear. I don't know if I would have made the same decisions now, but there's no going back and that's what I did. And that those surgeries were really, really tough. I, that's when I really got debilitatingly sick after those surgeries. I couldn't get out of flares. I was searching, digging, doing every diet, working with practitioners, trying every protocol even doing FMT with my husband, which is fecal, fecal transplant, nothing was working. And then I had these breast implants. <laughs> and then all of a sudden after, it, it was a three-part surgery. I never did the third part. I did the second part. And after that surgery, I was like, wow, I don't want these in me. I feel like they're contributing to my issues and suppressing my immune system even more. And I had just had this surgery. I was so sick. And I looked at my husband and I was just like, I want these out of me. He's like, honey, you are so sick. And I had to wait. I had to wait a few years until I gained a little momentum. And I found an amazing surgeon who specializes in explant surgery. Remember, I didn't have breasts, breast tissue at this point. But I didn't care. <laughs> I was just like, I wanted these out. I just, it was such a load on me. Um, and he did some reconstructive surgery with my own fat. And I was so skinny at the time. I don't know where he got it from. I said, where are you going to get any fat? He's like, don't worry. And he was amazing, amazing, amazing. If anybody ever needs in Southern California, the most compassionate, caring, amazing ex-surgeon who he really at this point specializes in explantation, which is a very specific way of doing the surgery. His name is Dr. Bradley 
I believe it's Bradley Shaw. He's in, he's in Newport Beach in Orange County. He just, yeah, he took my journey to a whole other level. Just and what year was this about? The that was in year 217. Okay, thank you. And I originally had started with the removal of my breast in 2013. Okay. And I couldn't do the second part of the surgery until 2015 because I was so sick. And then I finally, in 2017, was able to do the removal. And I did have a, a very positive response to that. I was feeling pretty okay. And my symptoms were, I still had some symptoms, but they, they, I wasn't flaring as much as I had been. And so I really thought, wow, you know, this is, this is it. <laughs> I'm going to heal and my colon's going to heal. But unfortunately, that was, that, that was part of the puzzle, my puzzle. If you don't mind for the listeners, I just want to break down everything you said, especially for our sure. beginner UC listeners. So in if I got the timeline correct, in 1990, you had that incident of horrendous food poisoning in Mexico, somewhere around there. That sound about right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 1995, you had your UC diagnosis. Mm -hmm. In 2010, you started to get surgeries. Is that correct? Yeah. And then yeah. in 2017, you had breast explant surgeries. The reason I want people to hear this is because for our beginner UC listeners that may be listening, if I had a nickel for every time someone said, including myself, by the way, they had a traumatic event happen in their body, whether it was emotional or physical, yours being the food poisoning in Mexico, I would be a little multimillionaire. Now, if I had a nickel for every time someone said they had an emotional trauma that started it, I would be a multi-multi-millionaire because I can't tell you how many people, everyone who as you see has, has told me they were like myself, had a problem with childhood abuse or they, uh, they had a terrible marriage or whatever. So I've heard this time and time again. And then the last thing I want to say, now I would be a billionaire <laughs> if, <laughs> for, if I had a nickel for everyone who told me I had major surgery. And I'm not talking about I got my knee scoped surgery or I had my tonsils out surgery or I got cataract surgery. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about major surgery, especially with women, anything with the breasts or the hysterectomy or the reproductive system where they've gone in and had surgery that they start flaring afterwards. This is all very common. And we need to make sure that we make what you're doing, Shelly, and I thank you, that we we link this all. So we, we start to piece together the puzzle and all the connections. So thank you. So, okay, I'm going to have you continue your story. So you got the breast explant surgeries. It was somewhat of a success. You thought the colon was going to start healing and it didn't. So please continue. I started struggling again, but it was interesting because I was struggling again around the time where my mother was in remission for about five years after 2010 diagnosis and of her ovarian cancer, but she, the cancer came back. Around the time she was struggling, I was struggling again too. And it's just so amazing how parallel those, you know, me not being well and her not being well in it. And it brought up, it brought up a lot of 
emotions for me with my mother. And I love, I love my mother dearly, even though she's not here. What was her um, name? Her Dina. first name. Dina. Dina. Oh, I like that name. That's a pretty name. She was amazing. Amazing woman. And talk about a warrior. Oh my gosh. She was truly a warrior. But you know, in my childhood, I had my own set of traumas with my father. I realized when I was older that I was living in a constant fight or flight and just trying to protect myself. And my mother was at his mercy. He was a very controlling, volatile, angry human being. And he was very abusive mentally to her, as well as to me. On a physical level, he was abusive to me, not sexually, but I mean, he would hit me, he would, he, he even grabbed me by the neck once. But you know, I'm very, I guess I'm resilient. And I put I always pushed back against him. And I, I used to sit in my room, and I'll never forget this when I was like, 12 years old. I mean, I was just a baby still. And I would just say, nobody's going to take away my happiness. I'm going to have my joy. I'm going to be free of this. Later on, when my mom was sick and I was sick and my mom couldn't really be there for me, I got angry with her. I started blaming her. Like, why did you let him do that to me? And I, I realized I was holding a lot of these emotions in me of anger and resentment and pain, that really pushed me to start working on myself spiritually. And I decided to go to Costa Rica and really do some, <laughs> I love Costa Rica. I, know, who does, I smile because I love Costa Rica. Who doesn't? Oh, it's gosh. the place. It's just heaven on earth, really. It's heaven on earth. And it's always I've really spent quite a bit of time there and God bless my husband and thank you, Brian, so much for always supporting me when I just went for, you know, five, six weeks at a time for my healing. I started really finding myself again and learning to forgive and let go. And it's, you know, I'm a very forgiving person and I'm just, I'm very open, I'm very forgiving, but I, I guess I was really holding on to these emotions and they were right there in my gut. <laughs> so I knew I had to work on that. And I did at the time when I started working on them and I really started forgiving my father, actually, I had found out we hadn't spoken in many, many, many years. I really had to cut our relationship up to save myself. But when I was really healing and forgiving him, he had passed away. You know, that was really mixed for me. It was it was sad. He missed out on so much, so much joy of his grandchildren and really getting to know me as a person. But I really was in such a different place and such a better, healthier place. And I realized, you know, where did he come from? Where was his pain? I mean, he just, something happened to him too. I mean, he was born in a time of war, you know, it was World War II. Life was very different. My parents are European. They came from Poland. It was just a whole different mindset. And not that I'm excusing his abuse, but I just, I try to envision him as a child and just kind of love the child and forgive him. That's really good and advice. It really helped me so much to forgive and let go and just think of him as that child. 
kind of nurturing him as the child and his pain and acknowledging that. And it, it helped me heal tremendously. And even to this day, I, I really, it's, an, it's really funny because when I, when I was in Costa Rica for one of my times there, I was there for quite a, period, a long period of time and I was really working on my healing. And everywhere I went, I would see hearts. Like, but I mean, hearts in nature, like I'd find a rock or just, I don't know, it, there were hearts everywhere. And even in my food, I would just, I would open a piece of fruit and then there would be the shape of a heart or in, you know, in the tub, if there was like a splatter of water and it was the shape of a heart. And I started to feel like my dad was reaching out to me. And I'm not going to get all woo-woo on everybody. No, but that's nice. I, I felt like he was saying, I, I'm here. I've always loved you, and I'm sorry. I really felt it was his energy. I'm getting the chills. <laughs> and to this very day, it still happens. And I, I thank him. I'm like, thank you. I know it's you, Dad. Because this happened before my mom had passed away. I started seeing these hearts. So... That also helped me a lot too. Anyway, I spent some, you know, I spent a lot of time in Costa Rica. I worked with the shamans. I worked with the healers. I did done it. I did it. I did the soul retrieval, the, just everything, and it was amazing. It was amazing. But I also came back in a lot of ways weaker because mm. there's such a strong vortex where I was staying in this one area, this, this healing vortex, because it's the nature there is so powerful. The water, the food, the soil, it's, it really like, I don't think our bodies are ready to handle it when at the time I was living in Los Angeles. So it was like, just like a shock to my system. And I, I kind of, I kind of came up weaker. It was good for me emotionally uh, and on a very spiritual level. It really helped me a lot. Moving forward, you know, I, I was still dealing with a lot of symptoms, trying different practitioners, a lot of letdowns. Um, some of these practitioners are very well known and just trying different protocols, the diet, going from fruitarianism to autoimmune protocol, paleo, and then moving forward. I, I was on the fruitarian raw lifestyle for quite a while, for six years. I was working with a practitioner who I actually thought I had found the holy grail with this. But I was going to really heal. I was going to detox and cleanse. And I was in that phase now of my journey. There were some really good moments and amazing moments where I actually was picking up momentum. But I didn't realize I was really pushing my body to the brink. I had become thinner than I ever had been. And at about at the six-year mark, I was definitely not in a healthy state. And I was actually thinking of embarking on a dry fast. And I had contacted this specialist from Russia, who he's world renowned in Russia for dry fasting people. They come to his clinic. It's in like the forest in Siberia or somewhere. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, I will go to the end of the, yep. end of the earth to heal. 
it's just really crazy, you know, intervention, divine intervention, the universe, how it's just trying to show you something. And I had reached out to him. I sent him an email. I had read his book. I don't remember the name of it. He responded. He had a translator respond to me and he wanted to speak with me. And it just so happened that somebody that was at his fasting clinic was visiting there from New York City and she was willing to translate for us. And he told me there's no way that he could dry fast me. I'm just in a very weakened state. And he really saved me because he told me I need to start eating animal products immediately. And I was, I was struggling with it because I really got into the whole veganism and the dogma of it all. I was really, I was really locked into it, but a red light was going off for me big time. And he warned me, he really warned me. And I, I was like, wow, I'm really close to the end of my life here. And I had taken some pictures of myself. And that picture that you have on your website, it just, it brings tears to my eyes because I have a similar picture that I took of my whole backside and my whole front side. And I was like, wow, wow. I I was letting this happen to myself in a lot of ways too because of my diet. I wasn't... I wasn't trying to build myself up. And for me, the fruitarianism was really, I had done the detox and detox, and now I needed to rebuild, and I wasn't. I was just kept tearing down and tearing down. He really planted an incredible seed in me. And I really feel the universe came in and said, Shelly, it's time. You can't keep going the way you're going. And... I started, I started eating eggs and some salmon, and I just started bringing in animal foods. It did build me up physically. It helped me with my weight. It, it did nourish me. Even though I've been flaring and still flaring, it, it gave me the physical strength to get through these flares so that I don't end up in the hospital. It just really amazing lessons that I've learned through the whole process, you know, and, and I don't regret because this is part of my journey, figuring it out and going through all these different stages. I started eating animal products and then I was searching and digging, of course, continuing my search and trying there was obviously a very big missing piece. Why am I still, I eat the cleanest foods, the healthiest foods. I live in a beautiful place where I have access to the most amazing farms. Everything's local and organic. I was just so perplexed by why am I not healing? Why am I not getting better? And then I discovered the carnivore diet. And and about what year is this? That was last year. Okay. So we're, we're in the, we're in the current. (laughs) We're in the current. And I've been in a very serious flare for two years. Okay. I had a little bit of a reprieve before I started eating animal foods. I did do a 30 day juice fast and that I had a response to that. I, I will say I did. I had about a good seven months, but then I just regressed again. I had just, I started researching and I started discovering this carnivore diet. 
And I was like, wow, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> like, how could I just eat meat and be healthy? Because I'm so pro, I was so programmed in my mind to think how bad meat is for me, especially red meat and eating all this protein. And so I was just really had, I was deprogramming myself. But when I got to this whole carnivore thing, I was like really blown away by it. And I started listening to some amazing people that had done a lot of research and had their own healing journeys. And then I came across um, Judy. She's got her, her handle is Nutrition with Judy. And she wrote a book. And she has her own healing journey. And she wrote a whole book on the carnivore diet and how to do it and how to do it right. And because now you're introducing a lot of fat. I had been on such a low fat kind of medical medium type lifestyle for so many years that I was just like, oh my God, how's my gallbladder going to handle this and my liver? And, you know, my bile is like shut up. And so it was, it was, it was hard. You know, I decided to try it. I decided to try it for a few months. My husband, who's my biggest supporter, decided to do it with me. That's awesome. <laughs> and he's amazing. I'm so blessed. So we embarked on this. It was not easy, not just the eating meat part, but just the way my body was reacting. It was not used to this level of, of, of fat. I don't think it was the meat that was so hard to digest, but it was more the fat. And I had contacted Judy. I needed support because I saw so many people were healing from this. And I started to work with her. And she was amazing. But she saw that I had really been doing this right. I'd been doing it for a while. And she said to me, she brought up the whole Sears yeah. thing. And she said, Shelly, I think you have chronic inflammatory response syndrome. She goes, I'm willing to say I'm 99.9% .9 sure this is your root cause. Wow. And I was like, what? What? What is Sears? <laughs> I'm like, please don't throw one more thing at me. I can't. I just can't anymore. I've got enough going on here, okay? And she's like, I think you should test for this. I'm like, well, what, what is it? What, and it's testing for the, hap, the genetic haplotype, the way that you had described it. And it's, it's not something that you contract or a virus or bacteria. This is something we're born with. Just, it's our genetic makeup. Lucky ass. Like, I know. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got, you know, I've got the BRCA thing. And then I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Just throw this at me. So I decided to do the testing. Of course, it came back positive. My Sears markers, which... When was are, this? Can you tell me when that came back positive about? That was last year in, I believe, August. So August 2022. Yeah. Okay. And it was a very comprehensive workup of blood. I had to go to LabCorp and the blood work needs to be handled a certain way. It's a very... Wow. It was, a lot, it was a lot of blood. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so it tested for very specific 
inflammatory markers that are connected with SEERS, like the MMP9. And there's just all these different markers and they affect your, your system in different ways. So I did the test. She sent me the results. She says it's positive. She goes, I, and again, she said, I really believe this is your root cause. And I'm like, well, where do I go from here? And she was amazing. She has amazing resources. She, she gave me a list of practitioner doctors, real doctors that specialize in the Schumacher protocol, who he created the protocol that works. I found an amazing practitioner that I really connected with and really felt heard. And we started the protocol. So it was pretty overwhelming at first. I was just like, what do I do with all this? And why do I have this? Like, I don't know if I grew up in a moldy house. I know that I lived in a house that was moldy at one point for sure when I was living in Southern California by the beach because I discovered all the mold. I had to throw out all my belongings, but I caught it very early on. We moved out of that house, but you just, it was kind of the beginning of my mold journey too and getting educated. You just don't know. Like you can walk into a home and you just, you may not see or smell anything. You just don't know. So it could have been from past exposures. The home that I currently live in, we have tested twice. We've had a very experienced inspector come out and spend hours checking the crawl spaces, the HVAC, doing all kinds of testing and sampling. And, you know, everything looked pretty good. We did an ERMI test, which is, it's a dust test. You're collecting dust from your home, which is where mold will fall it mold will go to the dust and will live in the dust and it's the dna of the mold so but it can be the test can it's a tool it's a tool in your toolbox we just repeated it when we first did it it was kind of high but we live in a very microbial diverse area i live in oregon and it is like exploding with everything you can imagine. So we just redid the test and I just had it interpreted to me and it actually looked really good. We really don't think it's the house. It could be a lot of past exposure and it could also be exposure to so many different toxins, you know, from just the environment or, I mean, we're just getting the onslaught of it just when we go out into the environment. It's, but you know, we, I don't want to live in a bubble, but clearly I'm very sensitive to these things because when they build up in my system, I can't detox them properly. And that's really the whole, the whole problem with this, this inflammatory response is that these toxins are building up in my system and they don't have anywhere to go. And so they're just, you know, settling into the fat cells where they love to be. And they're just in your gut, destroying your gut. And, they can get into your brain and cause so much inflammation in your brain, which luckily so far so good with that. Cause I did a, vi- there's a special vision test you can do on Dr. Schumacher's website to test, to see if there's inflammation in the brain. It's a vision test and I passed. So that was a good sign. So yeah, here I am, you know, with this, this chronic inflammatory response syndrome, but it's, 
it is pretty overwhelming because it's just putting so much more weight on my body and inflammation besides my calprotectin and my CRP, which people with UC and Crohn's were very familiar with these tests that show our inflammatory markers. But there's this whole other set with Sears and mine were just so high. And the problem is that, is it the Sears or is it the, like what's driving what? She believes because of the research that the Sears is making it really hard for me to recover from the colitis and really take it down a notch where it can be really manageable. So all this inflammation coming from this buildup in my body that my body can't unload, the bucket is just so full, it's driving that the inflammation with the colitis. And of course, affecting your gut and it affects every system in your body, really. It's just, it's, it's pretty intense. But, you know, when I started working with my doctor, she gave me a lot of hope. There is recovery. And once we can get the Sears markers down, that it's going to really have a very strong influence on the colitis. And once my gut can start to heal. So I'm, I'm staying hopeful. I yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah, no, this, it's an incredible story. And I want to just uh, talk about a few things you said. Yeah. I talked about this last episode, the pronunciation. Uh, Dr. Schumacher, he says, sirs. I've heard Dr. Judy say sirs and sears in one episode. So I think it can be used interchangeably. So I want people to know that. The inspector that's interesting and the Hermes test with the dust, is there anything you need to look for in an inspector? Because I was saying the last episode, you don't just call up and get any inspector. So what do you look for when you get this specialized mold inspector? That's a great question and really, really important because... First of all, if anyone comes to your home and takes an hour or less to inspect your home, forget about it. There's just no way. I mean, they really have to go from top to bottom. There have to be quite a few tools in the toolbox. I would say the three most important spaces, I'll, I'll say four, would be obviously the bathrooms. But it's hard to know because you could have, had a leak, a small leak for years underneath and not even know about it. And now your subfloor is full of mold. So we really need to be on top of things. You know, we really need to kind of be our own inspectors too, which I have become, <laughs> which, I, which is kind of interesting. I mean, I've got the flashlight going around the toilets and under the <laughs> counters, but the biggest, biggest area is if someone isn't willing to go into your crawl spaces, which is in your attic and below, and pull back the insulation and look at the subflooring underneath the home and look at the, the, the wood that's in your attic and pulling back that insulation and taking air samples. Those are critical spaces because if you're going to have a leak, let's say, from a roof, that's even if it's something so small that could have been leaking for years, that's that water is it's it's water intrusion and it's 
keeping a damp space. It doesn't take a lot to create the mold. I mean, mold can grow within 24 to 72 hours if the conditions are right. Under the house is very critical and your HVAC system, which those are the lungs of your home. And everything that is under your house is coming up. It's coming into the home. And a mold is microscopic. I mean, it's in the air. We don't see it. We, we don't even have to smell it. So it's really important to have your HVAC inspected and cleaned. We just had ours cleaned out this past summer. And I asked them to put a camera down into the HVAC system. And they showed me pictures and everything looked really good in our HVAC. Also, there was no con because you have to look for condensation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so many little nuances. And one little thing going off can create just this huge problem. I've always had air purifiers in my home since I lived in Southern California in my mold incident, which was many, many, many years ago. But I was advised to get these air purifiers. And I use a really great one that I love. It's Austin Air purifiers. They're more industrial, but they're amazing. And I have two in my home, one in my bedroom and one in my living space. I also, this last couple months on Amazon, bought, a, bought some little dehumidifiers. And I am just blown away by the moist, by, by the water that it's collecting. Wow. And it was amazing. And I noticed this past winter, there's a couple seals in our bedroom, window seals. Our windows are, they're pretty new, but there was a couple seals that need to be changed. And I was noticing a little condensation, which is not good. Any kind of condensation, any moisture, these are not good signs. Yeah. So I bought the dehumidifier and the, the condensation is gone. It's just a small little machine that I got on Amazon, but that thing is filling up with water. And I'm like, wow. And then I got these, these, there's these other ones you can get, you can hang them in your closet and they have beads inside of them. And when the beads change to a certain color, it's absorbed a lot of the moisture and it's time to recharge them and you just plug them in and then they recharge and go back to the original color, which is orange. And then when they turn green, you recharge them and they're amazing. So I put those in the closets because those spaces tend to be congested with our stuff. Clutter is a big one too, because the more clutter we have, the more dust that accumulates. So, I mean, I really, I've learned so much and I don't want to be like a freak about it, but I want to take precautions and feel good about it. And I feel good about it because this is my home. I want to live in a healthy home and I want to be healthy. Yeah. So I'm doing, and those are just little things that we can do that makes such a huge impact. See, you got it. I mean, you're, you're learning it. You're getting it. Um, I have to say I have a friend who does not have IBD who moves from LA to Seattle and had the exact same issue because in LA you're in a desert and then you're moving to this very natural microbiome that has everything in it. And she had the same exact issue. She was, I mean, I, I tried to record with her and it was really difficult because her mm -hmm. voice and everything. 
you know, that's something that people might want to look out for. Uh, we have around 10, 15 minutes left. I just want to ask if you would talk about, you had told me you were doing really well and then you went to New Orleans. And I wondered if you would talk about that because it's a really fascinating thing that happened to you. This was about two years ago in May. I had done a juice fast about eight months prior to that. And I was doing pretty good. My son was getting ready to graduate college. So we were going to New Orleans. He went to school there. And I was feeling pretty good. I mean, I was excited. I, I, was, I hadn't traveled in quite a while. And so we went. New Orleans, in my opinion, is the moldiest, one of, probably one of the moldiest, moldiest cities there are. And I, and I love New Orleans. I love the culture. I love the architecture. And it's just, it's so rich. The city is so amazing. It's just so rich. But a lot of the home, you know, they're very old. There's obviously Katrina happened. There's a lot of water damage and it's very humid there, which could be a huge contributor. We stayed in an Airbnb which had been renovated. It was just this beautiful, one of those beautiful Southern type mansion type Airbnbs that they, they turned into an Airbnb. So like all the rooms were, you just kind of had your own apartment. And I didn't really, I wasn't thinking much about it because I didn't have my serious diagnosis at the time. And I thought, okay, this place looks pretty good, but so we stayed there. When I was there, I saw little things that were concerning to me, but I didn't let it, you know, affect my my trip. We came home. We were there for about five days. We came home and I crashed so hard. I mean, I was so sick. The diarrhea started to really kick in. The extreme fatigue, which has always been one of my symptoms, is just extreme, extreme fatigue. I was just sick like a dog. And I thought, wow, do I have COVID? Or, you know, I just didn't know what was going on. And my husband, too, he was also very sick. And I was trying to rally for him. I was actually trying to take care of him because I was just a little bit better than he was, even though I was crashing so hard. And it was just so hard for me because I wanted to rally for him. He was down for like three days, did not come out of the bedroom. He went, he recovered, obviously, and I did not. So that was two years ago in May, and I've just been in this, I'd say, a pretty massive flare for these past two years. And it's been really scary. It's the first time that I decided that I have to really think outside of my my thinking in my box because I never wanted to do medication. You know, I've always taken this very holistic approach, but it wasn't working for me and I needed to do something really different and I needed to intervene. And I found a GI here. I hadn't seen a GI in so long because I was kind of trauma traumatized by my life. Oh yeah. Ugh, and my last colonoscopy that I had had in 2015, I just, you know, when they tell you your colon is the worst one they've ever seen, and, <laughs> yeah, that whole spiel. So I was very hesitant, but I found this amazing GI who just, when I say amazing, 
he was very compassionate and he really listened to me. He understood where I was coming from and my resistance to wanting to try medication and my fears and all these things. But I realized they were really standing in my way. I was standing in my way because I needed, I needed help. It's okay. And it was okay. And, but you know, I was just feeling like, oh my gosh, am I a failure? And, and, you know, you know, that whole thing in our heads. And of course, my amazing husband, he's like, honey, you have fought and tried and done everything you can possibly do. And, and we need to stay open. We need to stay open. And just because I take a medication doesn't mean I'm not healing or I can't heal because I'm on a medication. I really started to open myself up. And my GI, of course, was just really holding my hand through the process. And he did a colonoscopy on me. And of course, I was so sick. And he could barely do the whole scope because I was so inflamed. That's what happened to me the first time. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, it was scary. And it was so uncomfortable. And, but he was so compassionate. And I went on prednisone and I had stayed on prednisone for a while. And then he wanted me to try Antibio. And I tried it for six months, but I was not having a response to it. Hmm. And, and it was so, it was kind of heartbreaking because I'm like, I, I said, okay. I said, okay to everything. And I was just trusting myself, trusting the medicine, trusting the universe and just saying, it's going to be okay. I'm stepping out of my fear and that voice in my head that's holding me back. I didn't have a response to it. And So I'm trying something different right now, not having the best response to that either. So I'm waiting to have an appointment with a, with a specialist that my GI wanted me to speak with. And we'll, we'll see where we go from there. I'm staying open. I'm staying open. And it's like, even my GI said, just because you go on a medication, he goes, I don't want to see you on a medication for your life. He goes, but let's get you out of this danger zone that you're in because where you are now is a lot more dangerous than taking any of these medications. That made sense to me. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's been very freeing for me in many ways because I'm letting go of so many things and so many fears that I've been holding on to. And even though it's hard still, you know, saying, wow, I'm on these, I'm on a heavy duty med. It's hard. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable for me at times, but I'm, I'm really just kind of saying, okay, it's okay. I'm going to be okay. And we're going to find what works. And my serious doctor is very open to me trying these things as well, you know, trying medications. She works with a lot of patients who do have colitis and Crohn's and that are on medications as well. So, yeah, it just didn't make sense for me to really push. Why am I pushing myself to to death, like to a, a really dangerous place? Because I, I love life. I want my life back. I want to live my life. I have two amazing children. I mean, they're, they're men, kind of. <laughs> they're going to be 20, 24 and 29. But yeah, I have a life to live. So I'm trying to put together all these pieces of the puzzle and just never giving up, you know. 
And I think you're going to do it. And I think you're going to be much stronger for it. And in a year, I think we're going to be having a really different conversation, a good conversation. I just want to point out a few things. So you can, as I said in the last episode, you can research the Schumacher protocol yourself. And as Shelly aptly pointed out, Shelly's journey is Shelly's journey. So for her to sit here and list, you know what, I'm on this medication now and I'm eating this now and I'm not eating this now, it's kind of not fair because what Shelly's diet is, what my diet is, I like today, I, I hope it's okay I use this example, but you were saying that you had a little bit of sourdough bread and butter, if I'm correct. Yes. And I can't eat sourdough bread right now. So if I were to go, you know, off of that and say that, then we can't do that. You've got to find out what works for you and you've got to fit the pieces of the puzzle together. So, you know, look up the Schumacher protocol if this resonates with you. And I'm going to be doing an episode on GAPS diet. So, you know, just if any of this resonates with you, then you're, you'll be good and you'll figure it out, but you can't definitely do exactly what someone else is doing. I also wanted to say too, with regard to what happened in New Orleans, which is so fascinating that I have a feeling your husband, and my husband are the same with, they're just strong as oxes. They never get sick. And the fact that your husband got sick says a lot after New Orleans. So there must've been a shitload of mold in the place you were staying. So I just want to point that out too. And, and having a supportive spouse or partner is a huge deal in this. And I find that most of my listeners, uh, thankfully, we have the most supportive partners. So that is a wonderful blessing that you had said. And then I just want to say a couple more things about how you're talking about the universe. Synchronicity really, you know, the universe brought us together because it was so weird, you guys. That day that I found out about the mold connection in UC and SIRS, it was that morning. I don't know how I came across this article. It was out of the blue and it was talking about mold in UC. And then that afternoon, Shelly emails me and tells me about SIRS. And I'm going, this is crazy. I've never, I've had this disease now for a year and a half and I haven't heard any connections. And then I find it that morning and then you email me that afternoon. So this was supposed to happen and the universe wanted us to connect. I also had something a little strange happen too. I was telling Shelly that my natural doctor, who's hopefully coming on soon, she kept asking me when she was energetically <clears throat> testing me about mold. She kept saying, are you sure you haven't been exposed to mold? Are you sure you didn't live in a moldy house? And I kept saying to her, yeah, I've lived in shitholes in my 20s. <laughs> like, who hasn't? <laughs> but um, it, I just, I wasn't making the connection. And now I'm looking back and I'm seeing a few places, including my childhood home, because uh, my mom's not alive. Uh, sorry, dad, have to say it, but but they are hoarders in a way, you know, not like full on episode of hoarders, but they, you know what I mean? They have a lot of crap. And I, and every time I go to that house, I have a reaction. I tried to clean out my dad's basement. I was down for probably like three, four days after I cleaned his basement. Now I know what's going on and now I can definitely address this. So I have a, a couple more questions and then we'll let you go, Shelly, because, um, I don't want this episode to be too long, but do you think that you were misdiagnosed with UC and that you really just have SIRS or do you think that the SIRS, kind of like what you were saying, the SIRS is, is making the UC worse. So you think you have both or you just think you have SIRS, for example? 
it was a package deal when I was born. <laughs> it, <laughs> me it too. Came with, it came with me. It came with me. That's when I came. That's, it, it's just my genetic makeup. You know, mold is everywhere. It, we, it's everywhere. It's an epidemic. I actually was reading, it's like the fifth largest epidemic in the world. And mm. about 25 to 30% of the population do have this genetic haplotype of Sears. Yes, the Sears was came with me. It's a, it's a weak it's a genetic weakness. Yes, the colitis is real. I do have the colitis. I think that came from many many things. I don't I think there were many things that pulled that final trigger. Plus I had this, you know, weakness with the Sears, which was has always been there. But I think, you know, between the food poisoning and trauma and childhood and my first marriage and who knows the kind of exposure that I've had in my in my lifetime so far. So I think it's just like a combination. A perfect every, storm. A perfect storm. Exactly. And it's really tough because it's, com- it's very complicated. And, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, now I'm, I'm, 28 years into this and for the first time this past year I realized wow this is just really complicated it's real I'm gonna have to deal with this the rest of my life and find the best way to do this and I'm I'm trying to put together these pieces of the puzzle that are helping me get stronger but it is it is very complicated and I did want to mention, and I don't want to overwhelm your listeners, but this is a really, really important part of the puzzle as well, is our dental health. Mm. And so many of us don't realize, and I didn't until a practitioner had pointed it out to me, but she was very she was very abrupt about it and kind of was instilling a lot of fear in me. Like, you know, you're going to have to have like four or five teeth pulled and, and some people have to, I mean, I've never had root canals before, but I did have a hidden infection in one of my, in one of my teeth. And I did decide because I was, you know, I'm digging, I'm trying to put everything together in this past year. I did decide to go see, this amazing biological dentist that's only two hours from me up in Portland. And he did what's called a 3D cone beam scan. And it's not like a typical x-ray. It really, it's, it, it's a whole 3D view of your entire jaw and teeth. And it can show these hidden infections, cavitations. I did have one, just one, wow. which was amazing. I thought, oh my God, what's going to happen? What was interesting was, on the meridian of how your teeth are, it was right, that tooth on the meridian is lying on my left side of my colon where I'm having so much pain. And he goes, are you having pain on your left side? And I said, yes, that's where I have most of my pain. And he goes, your tooth, the infected tooth on the meridian is where that's where it's lying. So I did have the tooth pulled, which I felt so good about. I was like, wow, one more thing off the list, check. (laughs) And he was amazing. And I am going to have an implant put in, um, in May, but you know, that infection was eating away at my jaw. Hmm. 
really interesting how it all kind of comes together. And it's, you know, it's hard. Like you said, everybody's journey is different. And just because what's happening to me isn't going to happen to someone else or, but it's information. And I try not to fear the information. It can be so overwhelming at times, but I try to process it and then use it for my own, the best for myself. And that goes with diet or, you know, I mean, what's working now may not work next year. Who knows? I mean, I'm just trying to stay open. Like you'd mentioned, you're going to do a podcast on gaps, which I love gaps. I take bits and pieces of yes. lots of different things. And we're also different, which I've realized through this journey, we really are. So, but I just wanted to kind of throw that out to the listeners your teeth. <laughs> really, I'm, really important. It is. I have a listener who's going through that tooth journey now. And it's really interesting to see what she has to say on Instagram. She's probably listening to this. And she may have went to the, the same bio uh, dentist you did because she lives kind of in the same area. So I wonder if it's the same dentist, actually. I forget the guy's name. He's on Instagram. Can't remember the name. I know who you're talking about. So there's so the guy on Instagram, it's Bloget. Dr. Bloget, he's very popular. He has an amazing practice. And I I was deciding between him and my doctor, who my doctor is Dr. DeLong. I decided to go with mine. I just really vibed with him. He's amazing. He uses all the Swiss. He was trained and he goes to Switzerland and trains from the best biological. He everything he uses is just non-toxic and He's amazing. He was very compassionate. He spent so much time with me. And I just really gelled with him. I kind of, I guess I didn't want a doctor that was so popular on Instagram. And this is just Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. I needed someone who was going to give me what I needed. And yeah, I'm very happy with him. So Awesome. Yeah, this guy's named Dr. Seb, S-E-B. Oh. Um, Oh. I don't know. Anyway, maybe Sebastian. I don't know. I haven't gone to one, but it sounds awesome. So I just want to thank you so much. This is such an amazing episode. You gave the listeners such a gift of your brave story and insightful story. And when you're feeling better and you've figured a lot of things out, we'd love for you to come back and tell us about all of that because I know it's going to happen. And uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I think we're ready to close out. So in my household, when we have a perfect shit, you know, when it just slides out of the body, it's perfect color <laughs> and solidly formed. And you're so proud of yourself that you turn around the toilet and you just go, wow. And we call that a green heart. And I always wish everyone a green heart day. So Shelly, what do you wish everyone? I wish everybody the best green heart days. All right. Thank you so much. You are seriously an inspiration. Oh, thank you so much, Jay. Thank you so much for having me.